Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Food and Psych podcast where I, Kimberly Wilson, a chartered psychologist, talk to you about food, psychology and everything in between. Anyone who follows me on Instagram or Twitter will know that one of the main things that I'm interested in is the research into the habits and behaviours that can help protect your brain health now and in the future. There's a lot of really great evidence on things you can do starting immediately and for free that can enhance brain function and health. I really want you to have access to that information, which is why I'm always banging on about exercise and vegetables, fish oils and stress management. Chronic stress underlies a whole range of physical and mental health concerns, driving depression, anxiety, sleep problems, promoting weight gain and your risk of developing type 2 diabetes. It's not just a psychological phenomenon, but has serious effects on physical health and the actual structure of the brain. So anything that you can do to help manage stress and reduce your exposure to chronic stress is going to be beneficial. Meditation and mindfulness can be really helpful to have in the toolbox of brain health. And in this episode, I talk to meditation teacher Ashley Hunt, who works across the world with individuals and corporations such as Twitter to introduce people to meditation and to help them to find space for it in their lives. In this conversation, we talk about how Ashley started to use meditation as a teenager and why it was completely useless, but how she later found ways to create a mindfulness practice that worked for her. We also talk about the link between stress and ageing and the overlap between mindfulness and psychological therapy. Before we kick off, during the conversation I mention a quote. It was actually Blaise Pascal who said that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So I'm just fact-checking myself there. So with that correction, here's me in conversation with Ashley Hunt. Okay, so here we are in this really lovely, bright, airy space, which feels really appropriate because I am talking to Ashley Hunt, or Ashley Hunt Wellness, to use your full social media (laughs) nomenclature. Um, And we're here to talk about really meditation and the usefulness of mindfulness and meditation for daily life. So for the benefit of the listeners who don't know who you are, haven't heard of you before, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm Ashley Hunt, I'm a meditation teacher. I specialize in creating a really modern style of meditation that's accessible, non-intimidating. I really believe that absolutely everyone in the world will benefit from meditation. So I try to find a way to make meditation work for each individual because it is one of those things where 
the practice looks different, you know, depending on your lifestyle, depending on your beliefs and your values. Um, we really do need to find a way to tailor it to each person. It's kind of like exercise in a way that, you know, people always ask me, what's the best kind of meditation? What time should I do it? Et cetera, et cetera. It's like, well, actually, it's the best kind of meditation is the one that you'll actually do. So I don't, I don't mind which <laughs> style you go for. For me, it's just important that you are meditating. Um, and I also focus on really simple but practical mindfulness tools so that for people who don't even have time to meditate, they can still be carrying these, sort of like have this, this tool belt where they can um, pull out these practices that also will make a huge difference throughout their day. You know, I'm not a big fan of the whole, you need to meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening um, in order to be getting some benefit. It's not true. There are so many things that you can do throughout the day that um, make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. And whether it's five minutes, whether it's 10 seconds of just paying attention to your breathing, these are all really beneficial. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack from that. So let's take it mm -hmm. right back to basics. And if you could explain what what meditation or mindfulness is. Yes. For, for someone who's walking in absolute totally. entry level, yeah. what is it? Because it's a I big mean, term. It sounds absolutely. as if it, it does sound intimidating. And I think even, you know, not just entry level, I think actually people, even people who do meditate, a lot of them can't even define what meditation is. So I agree, um, such a good place to start. Let's start by defining meditation. So meditation is, is basically paying attention to whatever it is you're doing um, without any outward distraction. So this is actually quite a broad term. So I think a lot of us, when we think of meditation, we think of you know a Buddhist monk who's sitting in the lotus position. For seven hours. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Completely focused, so much discipline. Breathing um, through his eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, actually, that is not what it is at all. It's just focusing on what you're doing um, in that moment and, and trying to minimize distraction. And then mindfulness can really be defined as present moment awareness. So you can do anything mindfully. You can make a cup of tea, you can go for a walk. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think of meditation as concentrated mindfulness practice. So it's a time where you actually set aside time to be mindful. Um, it's a skill. It's mm -hmm. something that you learn over time. It gets easier. So that's why you actually take the time to stop and, and practice it. Mm -hmm. And the word practice is really kind of crucial here, isn't it? Because I think one of the things that people think about or they get worried about when they go into mindfulness is not getting it right. That Absolutely. Whatever tool or practice they've read about or been um, shown, they sit down and they try to do it and they they can't or they struggle or it's Absolutely. difficult to get into. I've even seen and heard guided meditations where the the meditation guide has said, and you will become very calm. And I think, really? And what if I don't become really calm? And I, and I worry so much about all these people who are thinking, oh, I can't do this. You know, my mind is too overactive. I can't do this. This is not for me. And then they give it up, you know, mm. because they didn't sit for five, ten minutes and become completely zen. Um, that's not how it works. And, and it's one of those things, the first time you try it, it might, it might completely go over your head. Mm -hmm. You might spend the whole time thinking, I can't do this, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it's really important to know that it is a practice and it does get easier. But even in saying that, I still have days where so much is going on or you know any sort of big life events that happen, anything, and it doesn't work for me. And I go to sit and meditate and I still can't do it. 
So it's something that, yes, it gets easier over time, mm -hmm. but you have good days and bad days. You know, again, going back to exercise, it's like going to the gym. Um, some days you have a really great workout, some days you don't. It's not a reason to stop working out altogether. Mm -hmm. And also, just by going, we know that we're getting so much out of it. Just by sitting, you know, just by giving yourself some time. I always talk about meditation as it's just your time. So if all you're doing is just allowing yourself a couple of moments where nothing else matters except you, where all of the distraction that you constantly surround yourself with for the rest of your day, allowing all of that to slip away and just focus on yourself, this is positive. You know, you're going to get a whole lot out of that, whether or not you were able to get into that completely zen space or not. Mm -hmm. So you said that even though you've been doing it for a long time, you have difficult days. How long have you been engaged in, in mindfulness or meditation practice? So I've been meditating for, um, well, it would be about 13 years now. Um, I started when I was a teenager because I had really bad um, sleeping issues and I was told that it could help. Um, but it did take me a really long time. I sort of dipped in and out for a couple of years. Um, it took me a while to establish a regular meditation practice. And the way that I was able to do that was by putting aside everything that I'd ever learned, really. <laughs> All of the rules and, you know, you have to sit in this position and your back needs to be straight and you need to be focused and your hands should be like this. And once I put all of that aside and I was able to sort of come to meditation on my own terms, that was when I was able to make it um, a regular practice. Um, so what I do is I tend to lie down when I meditate. And I get myself into a really comfortable position. Um, I'm talking like super cozy. Like I have a pillow, I have a blanket, um, <laughs> and and I and I think of it as my space. I think of it as my time. And now, because I feel that way about it, it really has become a non-negotiable for me. I find it very pleasurable. Mm -hmm. I enjoy. It. I look forward to my meditation practice because I know how it's going to make me feel I know how it's going to affect the rest of my day so there's no it's it's very rare for me to even bring myself to skip that I think when we when we think about meditation we talk a lot about discipline and focus and actually I like to put the focus back on enjoyment mm -hmm. and sort of allowing people to give themselves permission to take time out and enjoy the space that they're creating enjoy this feeling of sort of slowing things down and it takes a little while to, to get used to that. Well, this is, this is what's interesting, because 13 years ago, there's two really, really unusual parts about your story. So 13 years ago is still really early adoption for, I mean, yeah. not obviously people have been meditating for centuries, mm. but in terms of kind of the West, yeah, 13 years ago is, is um, very early, early yeah. adoption. And also you were a teenager. Mm -hmm. And there was actually, there was a recent study, <laughs> there was a recent study that came out saying that meditation doesn't tend to work in teenagers. And, and the question is, are, are teenagers just too cynical to, <laughs> to take up meditation? So I'm interested... That's an excellent <laughs> question. I love that. I'm interested in um, like who introduced you, who told you that it would be helpful for sleep? Um, and how did you first, first approach it as a teenager? Yeah, so my, so my parents, my parents um, desperately wanted to you know, help me with all of my sleeping issues um, and so they bought me books and CDs and so I started with the guided meditations I feel like this is you know you would have heard of this you know the whole body scan and you know getting into this state of relaxation etc so I was doing all of that it didn't help me at all and it's something that I, I will just say very quickly is that if you have sleep issues 
I wouldn't recommend meditating to fix them or to even assist with them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend meditating in the evening. Um, so people are always really confused when I say this. And the reason is because I, that's why I started meditating and it didn't work. Well, I couldn't do it. And then because basically what it came down to was that when it, when I wasn't able to get myself into that relaxed state because I had a very overactive mind, um, I was very anxious as a teenager, um, I became more anxious because I couldn't sleep. I still couldn't sleep. I was trying this meditation. I still couldn't sleep. So that, that brought me more anxiety. And so it never worked. And that's when I used to, I, I would throw my meditation practice aside and I would, you know, come back to it again, you know, in a couple of months and try again. And it still didn't work. Um, what I would recommend if you are struggling with your sleep issues and basically now I sleep like a baby, um, which is huge for me because mm-hmm. it's something that I struggled with for so long. And it was just, it was just almost became part of who I was, you know, oh, I'm actually, I don't sleep very well. I'm always tired. And now it's so easy for me to get to bed and, and go to sleep almost instantly, which, which is, if you had told me that, you know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, I would have thought, oh, definitely not. That, that'll never be me. Um, but the reason is because I, because meditation is part of my everyday life and because it's allowed me to really take control of my anxiety. So now it's easy for me to sleep at night. So that's the order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't recommend that somebody gets into bed. I don't do sleep meditations, nothing like that. I don't recommend you get into bed and then meditate for the purpose of falling asleep. Mm-hmm. I recommend that you start to incorporate meditation into your daily routine um, because it will help you overcome the problems that are stopping you from sleeping at night, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I feel like I did a big tangent there <laughs> and I haven't actually answered your question. No, I think you did. I think because what you, you said is that actually meditation took you to a place where your anxiety was... I guess even clearer, it was even more present, I suppose, in your mind. Exactly, which, yes. Which makes the point that, I mean, it's it's so true. I think it was I think it was Proust who said, I'll I'll check this and correct it in the intro <laughs> if I got this wrong. Um, who said that, that something like all of man's ills come from his inability to sit quietly in his room. Yes. And certainly I agree with that. <laughs> certainly in psychology and in therapy. You know, I one of my real bugbears, and one 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 time I will. I'm a pacifist, but <laughs> one of the things that can rile me is when people turn around and say that therapy is a soft touch. I used to I used to run a therapy service in a prison for a, a few years, um, and some of the officers, not all of them, but some of the officers would say, you know, it's just kind of soft touch this and soft touch that, and actually, no, like not at all. We're all so good. Um, at running away from ourselves and avoiding ourselves and looking elsewhere and distracting yeah. ourselves with work or people or just drinking or you know any activity. Yeah, absolutely. We're Constant so distraction. But actually, the the work and the effort and the courage that it takes to yeah. stop yeah. and face yourself and yeah. sit down and all the things you've done to yourself, all the things you've done to other people, all the mm-hmm. things people have done to you, and all, the, all feelings the thoughts that, that, and feelings yes, that you have, exactly. things that you're sh- ashamed of or embarrassed about, that is such hard work. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's, a, a, when you, I think that's where the, there's an overlap between therapy and meditation is that it takes you to those quiet places. And, and it really does, maybe force is a strong word, but strongly encourage mm-hmm. <laughs> you to sit and face those things head on without turning away and it's it can be excruciating it can yeah. be really hard Absolutely. Um, and so I completely understand what you mean when you say you know going to bed and telling yourself to yeah, empty your mind exactly and again you know meditation is not about emptying your mind 
but people do have this misconception that like, oh, it's just that simple. Like I'm supposed to just sit here and, and not do anything and just breathe. Yes, it is. Yes, that's all I'm asking you to do. But no, it is not easy. In fact, it's extremely difficult. And for a lot of us, it's so confronting. Mm. And I have this all the time with, with people. This is a real barrier to meditation because people try it and they switch off their phones and they sit and they're not on Instagram, they're not watching TV, they're not on their computers, they're not talking to friends. And all of a sudden, all of these things that they've mm. been avoiding for a really long time, they're there. Um, and it, uh, so a good example is, um, you know, if you're going through a hard time, no matter what's, what's going on in your life, whether it's to do with your job or your relationship or whatever, and if I tell you to stop and not do anything, you have to face those, those problems. They're going to come straight up immediately. And I went, through, um, I went through a breakup recently, and I found myself, you know, even, even me, I know that what I needed was to meditate through this. But I found myself avoiding my meditation practice like the play because I was like, I knew as soon as I sat down, it would all come up, even doing yoga. Um, but I did, obviously. I forced, forced myself to do it. Like after you clean oh, the house, exactly. done the dishes, procrastination, <laughs> for a run, yeah, yeah, everything else. <laughs> Got a lot of work done in that time. Um, and as soon, almost instantly, as soon as I sat, you know, the tears came and. But imagine if I hadn't done that, you know, that would all still be there inside. It just would have had no outlet. Mm. And that's why we do think, you know, like we self-medicate with alcohol. Uh, we talk to our friends. We distract ourselves with social media. So just, I don't want people to think that, that meditation is easy because it's not, but it's extremely worthwhile. Mm. Um, and it is, you know, it's something that people can do. You don't need a lot of assistance to do it. Mm. It's something that, it's, a, it's an extremely powerful tool that you can do completely on your own. Um, but you're able to get so much out of it. Mm. It's really just about getting in touch with yourself, and, and we're not, you know, we're not in touch with ourselves. We're reading magazines, um, and we're online all the time, getting told what we should eat, how we should exercise, how we should, you know, communicate, everything. We love being told, but we don't ever actually listen to ourselves. Mm. You know, we're so disconnected with who we are. We're told what we should buy. We're told the kind of partner we should be with, the kind of relationship we should have, how, what age we should get married, when we should have children. It's like constant bombardment from everywhere around us. And we're thinking, I should do this. Mm -hmm. I should do this in my career. Oh, I should have been married by now. I should have had a family by now. We're actually not listening to ourselves and what we want. People, this is something that I'm noticing so much with my clients at the moment is that they're so out of touch with what they want that when I ask them mm -hmm. a really simple question, what do you want? They cannot answer. Mm -hmm. And they always lead with, well, I should want this. And it's like, no, that's not what I'm asking you. You know, what do you want? So a lot of the meditations that I do, basically we start with a relaxation meditation, which allows you to just calm the nervous system and get yourself to a place where you are feeling quite relaxed. And then we move on to what I call an insight meditation, mm -hmm. where I start to ask these questions and you're in a frame of mind where you're very relaxed and you realize that the only thing that matters here is you. There are no external forces at play here. So I start to ask these questions and all of a sudden, not instantly and it doesn't happen every time and it's a process and it does take time, but the answers start to come and they're unfiltered. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really important, that these are this is coming from within and you're not saying it, you don't even have to say it out loud, you know, this is introspection. You're not saying it to please somebody else mm -hmm. or because you think it's what you should say, it's just what's what's coming. And I kind of hate using this, this phrase, but it is... You know, it is like it is your truth, and I feel like that's such a that's oh such a God. cliche. I know you're so goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But it is, it is that real unfiltered honesty. And most of us don't speak to ourselves mm. that way. No, we, we don't. I had this, um, this really interesting conversation with someone where I, I asked them, what, what do you do? Um, what thoughts come to mind when you're not doing anything? Um, and, and like I'm not even joking the, just the look of sheer confusion <laughs> like what are you talking about didn't understand what I meant about by not doing anything I said, you know when you're not watching TV and you're not on your phone and you're this is not a millennial right do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're not doing anything and there was just no sense no time no recollection of a moment in their life oh where they hadn't been plugged in to something um, which is I mean it's fascinating but it's also terrifying it's very scary because you then have to wonder about exactly like what connection people have to who they really are these kind of internal questions and it, and I think you make a really good point about the the social pressure and um one framework of thinking um Rogers he he defined it as conditions of worth that we all either we've been told them by parents and mm. even like um more recently, we so we are socialised into them. That society tells us exactly like yeah. what you should be eating, what shape you should be, what's mm. attractive, what's not attractive, what jobs yeah. are acceptable, um, and we internalise all of these conditions of, of worth and and judge ourselves constantly by them. And they can be completely ridiculous. Like, sure, you might have a high status job, but if you're miserable, mm. then really, what value is it to you? And people get to a point. I mean, that's kind of what a crisis is whether it's quarter life or midlife is it you realize that there's a real disconnect between your conditions of worth like what you've been told about what should be good for you and what really feels authentically genuinely honestly good for you absolutely and I think people I think what happens when you get to that crisis is that you've been numbing it for a long time and you've been avoiding it and you've been pretending everything's fine I'm, I'm doing all the right things you've got the job that I always wanted and the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever it is and then all of a sudden it's like it comes to a head and you realize oh my gosh so it's one of those things where if we had been meditating and we were able to get in touch with ourselves along that process we would know that we weren't making the right decisions it's almost like you start to feel this friction mm. when you know that you're out of alignment I guess with with your values and with what's really important to you but it does it is confronting and it does take a lot to turn around especially depending on where you were brought up, what your family situation is like, what your community is like, to turn around and say, I don't want this. Mm. And it's, and you get a lot of, you know, I've, I've been there, and you get a lot of rejection, you know, from a lot of people who don't understand. Why don't you want the same things as us? Why do you feel like you have to be so different? Why is this not enough for you? Are you able to say a little bit about how there was that confrontation between what yeah. you wanted and, and yeah and absolutely so I always felt like I was a really strange person <laughs> because even you know throughout high school um and obviously you know you know how you were talking about I would have been quite young to have started meditating um especially at that time I was always that weird kid <laughs> so it's really not doesn't come as that much of a surprise at all but I did you know I you know I was a teenager and I did try my hardest and to be friends with the cool kids and to do all the things that the cool kids were doing um but I couldn't do it I, I couldn't bring myself to do it I tried for you know a good couple of years um but I found that what I really wanted to do you know instead of going out and 
partying or being with boys. I just wanted to read my book. (laughs) (laughs) And that made me really strange. Mm. So I always had that sort of um, image from from, from very early on. but it was it was difficult to come to terms with that as as, as a teenager. So I, so I kept trying, and even into university, I kept trying to do all the normal things that everybody wanted to do. But I turned around one day and I just said, "Why, why is this not enough for me? And why does it seem to be enough for everybody else, but I can't do it? I can't just live this this normal life of getting drunk on the weekends and working during the week and." Then I got a job um, after university, which was a very good job. Uh, it was a job that lots of people would have wanted. It paid very well, had excellent career progression. It was the exact kind of job that you should want. My family were very happy. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And I was so deeply dissatisfied. Mm. I didn't want to do it. Um, it had no meaning to me. I felt like I wasn't... Um, connecting with anything important really because what I was doing wasn't wasn't affecting others positively and, and so I became I came to realize that what I needed to do with my work and, and with my with my time needed to be something where I could um, which, which other people would benefit from um, so I was studying my master's at the time and decided to quit that what were you studying I did a master's of development studies um, development studies is um, so it, so it's politics, it's international relations, okay. um, with a focus on international aid. So that was that was my major, and um, but you quit. <laughs> I quit. I realized that um, I wasn't going to be able to get where I wanted with that degree. Um, basically, because the industry was just littered with roadblocks everywhere. And I wanted to make a real difference in people's lives, and that wasn't how I was going to be able to do it. So I quit, and I went to um, in Australia. We have something called TAFE, which is like where you go to study a trade. I guess it's kind of like you know a community college, or you know where you would go to become a builder, like a vocational, or, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. uh, or a hairdresser or whatever. And so I studied to become a personal trainer, <laughs> and everyone thought that this was the weirdest thing ever. They were like, "Ashley, you are making a big mistake. You're dropping out of your masters." You're going to TAFE, like this is crazy, what are you yeah. doing? Is TAFE looked down upon compared to academic? I mean, yeah, so study. I already had a degree at this stage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, was, it was almost like going backwards, I guess, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you know what, it was the best thing I ever did and I'm so happy that I did it. And it was so wonderful for me to then be able to start working with clients and be able to make a difference in this individual's life. And that's when I realized that I really had sort of was on the road to discovering my calling. Um, it turns out that I was never a very good personal trainer. <laughs> um, because I'm not that into exercise. <laughs> this, would, this would be a problem. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't, you know, that image for me wasn't, you know, like being in the crop top and, you know, you have to exercise for an hour every single day. I was very chilled about it. <laughs> so I didn't have to exercise that much. Um, but it was more what I realized I was doing, what I was, I was helping people improve their confidence. And I used to do, it was quite, it was quite a mindful form of exercise that I used to do when I always incorporated meditation into it. Um, whether it was through body awareness or whether it was through a guided meditation, I realized that my clients were getting more out of that than anything else. And I was also wellness coaching at the time as well, which is sort of like life coaching, but focusing on, um, on your health, mm-hmm. on reaching your health goals. 
Um, and, it, and I got to a point where um, I realized that, that meditation was the most beneficial part of what I practiced. So I, so I then started to, to focus on that. Um, and have since moved away completely from from the personal training, except for a, a few few clients that I still see. Um, we'll we'll talk about um, kind of your approach to meditation and um, the kind of courses that you run. But um, I wanted to pick up on something you said, and you were saying that you realised that even though you had um, managed to acquire this incredible job that was very impressive, it didn't have any meaning for you. And I think um, meaning is such an important and overlooked word and can you tell me about maybe your if this question makes any sense maybe it won't and I'll try and clarify it but kind of your relationship with meaning Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I should preface this by saying when we get so much into um, our you know, vocation and feeling like we need to have meaning or we need to be doing meaningful work. I think for a lot of people that's quite intimidating, and I'm not sure that it's always necessary, and I just want to explain why. Mm-hmm. You know that whole, if you find something that you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life, okay, I, I disagree with that. I think it's wrong. Um, find something that you love to do, and if you turn it into your work, then you'll start to hate it <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so we don't need to all have these jobs that are um, meaningful, really that every single day you're doing, you know, these incredible things and it's so in touch with your values and, you know, whatever it is. We can just have jobs as well. But I do believe we need to have some sort of meaning in our lives. So it doesn't have to be what you do nine to five, um, but we need to have something else. We need to have something that we're working towards that is separate just from ourselves. So for me, meaning is very much um, intrinsically linked to other people. And it's something that, that we do that's I guess it's, I wouldn't say it's completely selfless because we do get a lot of, out of it as well. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um, but I think it's just looking, we live in a really, in a society where we are very focused on the individual. And I think for me, meaning comes down to more of a focus on community, more of a focus on the people around us and how we are all linked. Um, a lot of my meditation focuses on connection um, because I think this is something that we're overlooking at the moment. We're so focused on ourselves and what we're getting out of certain situations 
instead of focusing on collectively how we're all progressing. Mm. So for me, meaning comes down to all of us working together to be able to collectively reap the benefits of a society where we're all in this together. Mm. You know, we're not realizing that you're not alone and helping other people realize that as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a a really good... um, explanation of, of, of your perspective the meaning is such an enormous absolutely enormous and, it's, and it means something completely different to everyone <laughs> and um and and i think you're absolutely right that if you're if you're extraordinarily lucky the thing that you do as a job yes is the meaningful thing from which you derive lots of pleasure and you know a sense of um community and a sense of self and a sense of contribution and all of that sort of stuff um not everybody can do that or maybe not everybody can do that right now but i think it is absolutely essential for mental health for mm-hmm. well-being mm-hmm. for any sense of kind of equilibrium that you know that if you're not in a job that you find satisfying if it's just a job mm-hmm. that you understand that it's not everything that you are it's not your complete identity Absolutely. it's not you know the total limit of your capabilities it and doesn't to, define you exactly and to be working or to be having something whether it's a hobby whether it's about you know my meaning is about being a good mother and I put that into my kids like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as long as that you have something through which you feel you have a sense of value and a sense of worthiness, yeah. that's enormously important. Um, I love people, people who've listened to me or followed me will know that I'm a big fan of coming back to Viktor Frankl's work mm-hmm. um, and his, his seminal book, Man's Search for Meaning. Have you read it? I haven't, no. Uh, it's, I'll, I'll bring it up. It's going to go on the list of it books really, that you're recommending so to me. Um, and you kind of, I feel like you have to listen to a man who survives concentration camps when he talks to you about how to find value and meaning in life you know this is a guy who has perspective um <laughs> you know um, i think we can all agree we can agree that he has something <laughs> to say about it um and he he describes in his book how his obs- his observation that the people who survived um differed from the people who didn't and it wasn't you know they were all starving they were all eating the same things but for him, what he noticed was that the people who survived developed a sense of meaning. Even in the depths of utter despair and degradation, they were able to construct, not find, you know, there was no meaning in their lives according to the rest of the world, perhaps, or certainly you know, the officers who were around them, but they were able to construct for themselves a sense of meaning. Um, and he says for one, for one man, he had a series of books that he needed to finish writing, that he had to get out of there to finish his books. And it was mm. just that. It didn't need to be this grand plan. He just mm. needed to finish his books. And it was those things that, that kind of kept the human spirit going. Um, I've taken us off on a completely different <laughs> tangent. <laughs> no, it's so interesting. It's, so, it's, it's all relevant. It's so funny as you're, as you're speaking. It's just the things that are coming to mind are things that I talk about in my meditation so much. They're a huge part of the course that I run. Uh, and that is purpose mm. and perspective. And I think that when we meditate, we are given perspective. Um, and perspective is the difference between being okay with a situation and not being okay with a situation. Um, and I speak a lot about purpose and helping pe- people find their purpose, which essentially could be helping people find their meaning. You know, the reason that they're that they wake up every morning and um, the okay, reason so they choose to. It wasn't a tangent. It was a beautifully, perfectly exactly. orchestrated segue. <laughs> so. Um, so let's go with that. Tell me about the courses that you run and who you run them with and what's unique about your style so i i feel like i so i've I've really developed my own sort of um meditation style and it um is very much 
based on mindfulness. But we do go a little bit further as well. And as I said, I said mentioned before that I do what's called an insight meditation. Um, because I do believe that one of the biggest aspects of meditation is that introspection. Um, and then on top of that, I incorporate visualizations um, that are usually linked to connection. Also called loving kindness. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's a little bit of like an airy-fairy term that I try to stay away from. Um, my meditation style really has nothing to do with chanting or crystals or yoga. There's nothing Sanskrit, you know, none of that. Um, so I do, I do try to be really careful about the terms that I use because I want, uh, I want it to be accessible to everyone. I don't want to, um, I'm quite concerned about putting people off. Um, so I run, I run public classes. So I do sessions with, um, Meditation Unlocked, which is a series of events here in London, um, every Monday night in King's Cross. And I also do run an online course. So I do a lot of travel, which is amazing. And I feel so lucky that I'm able to do that with my work. Um, it does mean that I'm constantly picking up and leaving and therefore leaving all my clients behind. So I started to realize very quickly that I needed to get something online. So I do one-on-one -on -one courses online, um, which are done through Skype consultations. Um, and I also just have an online course that you can purchase from my website and run in your own time because I realized that not everybody was able to um, have the resources to be able to uh, employ me for one-on-one -on -one consultations. So I literally cover the exact same material. Obviously, it's not as tailored. It's a little bit more generic. But I do feel like people um, are still able to, to get a whole lot out of that. Um, so my online courses include... Um, Recordings, guided meditations, and also access to to my ebook. So we focus on things like um, breath work, which is really important. Something that you and I haven't actually covered yet. Mm -hmm. um, so breath work and its relation to the the nervous system. Um, I cover mindfulness. I cover things like acceptance, and then I go deeper into things like discovering yourself, defining your purpose, um, understanding connection and its importance. And just a little bit at the end, just because this is very much me and this course is just, you know, very personal to me. Um, I look, I start to um, look into energy a little bit. I do believe that um, people carry a certain kind of energy and that there is energy in the universe. And by this stage, I'm sort, I sort of eased you into it. So when you get to this point in the course, you're a little bit over-minded about it. And it's very... side-eye. Like, uh -huh. Yeah, where is this going? Um... No, but it's just as simple as, um, it really is just as simple as, you know what it's like when you meet somebody, you're meeting a friend, and they arrive, and it's almost like they've brought this dark cloud with them, and they're having an awful day, mm -hmm. and maybe this friend is like this all the time, and you know that whenever you leave this friend, you feel drained, and you feel exhausted, mm -hmm. and you feel like, you, uh, actually, oh, I wish I could, um, I paid more attention to this, and I could reference it more clearly. I read a study yesterday about how moods are contagious. Um, so that links into obviously what I'm saying. Um, so I, what's important to me is that people become aware of the way that they make other people feel. Mm -hmm. And I label that as energy, that sort of energy that you're carrying mm -hmm. with you. But what it comes down to is the way that you, the way that you make other people feel and become, just even becoming aware of the fact that you can affect other people's emotions. And I think that when we look, when we look into it and when we start to think about it, we, we realize that that's true. Um, and I reference a few um, studies such as the Maharishi effect. And um, there was a Japanese doctor called Dr. Emoto. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. 
and he um is he the water guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love the water guy <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a li- I like you, so I'm going to let you eat that one fly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin it for me. I love these pretty water crystals. They are very, they are very pretty. Um, maybe the music we'll... for me, I think, is, the music for me, I think, is uh, my favourite part of that. I will certainly, what I'll do is I'll certainly link that um, in for people so they can the go and find it. Pretty pictures. <laughs> um, and maybe some some other reading material around absolutely, <laughs> study, absolutely. no but I, I think the broader point is is i'm gonna send you that that um that study that i read yesterday as well i'll find it so that, that yeah and I'll, I'll link that in um so people can find it but i think you know there are <clears throat> that's everybody is familiar with that idea about um that energy or what people bring into the room with them and we have lots of different ways and, and um means of understanding it so in in therapeutic terms, we might think of it as a transference. So yep. when the therapist is picking up on unconscious cues from from the client, it's not about what they're saying. There's something about their interaction. There's something about their behaviour that you pick up on, and you feel it. You do feel it in your body. And your task as a therapist is, is to put that together with what you know about them, what they've told you, what you understand about the theory, and to interpret that and, and test that out. Um, yeah. Arguably, though, I think there's a kind of there's a neuroscience that suggests a that there's something about mirror neurons that we we do imitate and reflect and pick up on these unconscious cues. So, I mean, we might just be using different language to talk about That's exactly the same right. phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is literally just like a label that I put on it um, because it makes sense for me when I'm yeah. speaking about it. Um, and it's also very simple. You know, people can understand that concept of energy. Um, but that's, that's, that's all it comes down to. And I think if, if all anybody gets out of it is the fact that they become aware of the effect they're having on other people, and this is, you know, this is your relationships, you know, intimate relationships with your, relationships with your family, your friends, um, and again, just moving away from being focused on ourselves and becoming more in tune with with what we're bringing to situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some a lot of people can say if if they're disliking their job. Or they're going through a hard time personally. Like, well, it's my problem, you know, when nobody else, it, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Well, actually, it changes the way that you're then interacting with people. So through the meditation that I was talking about, the, the connection meditation, it's a way of reframing your mind to take other people into consideration. And that's not saying that you need to always be thinking about everybody else, no matter what you're doing, but just becoming aware. Mm. Just becoming aware of the way that you're carrying yourself, and the way that other people might respond to that. Um, and just getting away from, what's the best way to explain this, of, of thinking that you're alone. Mm. That, I, that's a really essential idea because there's so much, it's this kind of ironic effect where social media and the access to everyone and everything at all times makes us, it gives us the illusion that we're connected, that we're all we're all here together exactly. and I, you know, exactly. I, I, I put a message on my friend's wall so like happy birthday yeah. but actually you haven't spoken to that person in three no. years and, and those you, connections are not real and we're more lonely than we've ever been before we even really though we're are. more connected it's one of the reasons that I try as much as possible to do these things in person yeah because, absolutely I mean, we could I mean, it would have been com- more convenient probably for both of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we'd done this via Skype from, from our respective homes or, or yeah. offices or whatever. But there's something I think really important about kind of leading by example. If you're talking about the importance of, of connection mm-hmm. and of being with people mm-hmm. and of 
you know, sharing, giving people your time, which I think is, is one of the most generous things you can do, is to your give attention. someone your time. Yeah, your time and attention. Then you kind of need to walk your talk, so that's why Absolutely. I always try to do these That's good, person. and I'm so glad. I, I agree. Although at the same time, you know, I have to say, obviously all of these... Um, the technology and social media, it's, it's hugely important and it's the reason why I'm allowed to, able to live on the other side of the world to all of my family and a whole lot of my friends. I've got friends all over the world and I'm still able to connect with them, which is amazing and I'm so grateful for it. But we do need to realize that those connections, it's not enough, that we do need to put effort into um, the real connections that we have when we see people face to face. Um, but also through meditation and the connection meditation that I do, we're able to simulate those connections. Mm-hmm. Um, the mind doesn't always know the difference between you know what's real and, and what's not. It's why visualizations are so mm-hmm. powerful. Um, so we're able to... the What we can visualize in our minds through a meditation is stronger than the text message that we're sending. We get, we get more out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that these these connections and building these connections have, you might obviously already be aware of this but they have a um, relation to the telomere length mm-hmm. and which relates to aging the aging process and the longer the length of the telomeres um, the slower the aging process and um, that obviously affects the aging of the brain which um, is a new research I believe but um, yeah I was just going to say um, for, for the sake of listeners who won't know what a telomere yes. is <laughs> um, so in your DNA um, which is that kind of double helix that kind of coil at the end of your DNA at the end of your chromosome is if you imagine your shoelace and it's got a little plastic cap the little plastic cap is called a telomere and as the cell splits and divides and essentially ages the telomere gets shorter and shorter and shorter um, and we know that what the research either in animal studies or in in vitro is that the longer the telomere the longer the lifespan the better the health in general, and that there are lots of things that shorten telomere length, and, and stress and isolation, loneliness, are some of the things that we do know shorten telomere length. So yes, it's exactly that 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 loneliness and socialized social isolate social isolation um, are are actually risk factors in aging, and that's extraordinary because it's not it, it makes a point that this isn't just biological, but that the psychological has an enormous impact on on health, on physical health and, and ageing. You mentioned earlier on that we hadn't touched on breath work, so did you want to yeah. tell me what you mean? Yeah, um, so it just, it's it's not, basically the breath is such an easy, um, simple place to start when, when anybody begins meditating. Um, so what we do is we bring the attention to the breath and we try to keep our attention there and it's just a very um, simple way of, of being mindful. But what I do with my breath work when I'm teaching it, I teach a technique where we slow the breath right down and this is interesting because you may have heard that if you're ever stressed out, you should take a deep breath. And people are saying this all the time. If you've ever been to a yoga class, you know, it's, it's almost become common knowledge um, when it shouldn't be. Because our problem is not that we are not breathing enough. In fact, we're breathing too much. And a lot of people are actually um, spending a lot of time hyperventilating, especially if they're in that chronic, um, that, that uh, mode of chronic stress. Um, and I don't think stress is necessarily a bad thing. I think we, we actually talk about it as if it's the enemy when it's not really. We know that stress is extremely important. We need stress. I know that when I start to feel stressed, it's because 
the situation that I'm in or, you know, whatever it is, it's important to me mm. and I need to be able to perform my best and that's why I get that adrenaline or whatever it is. Um, so it's almost like just reframing the way that you think about that stress um, and then being able to use it to your advantage. The problem is when we're stressed all the time and I think we can all agree that that is yeah. a bad thing. And there are a lot of people who are in that state of stress and not able to get out of it. And this is like going home and reading an email from work and still being stressed about it. Uh, when we should be able to leave our work at the end of the day. When we leave, um, we should be able to go out with our friends or whatever it is and be able to relax. So what I teach through my breath work is um, the parasympathetic nervous system affects the breath, but in the same way, the breath actually can affect the parasympathetic nervous system. So this is your relaxation response. So I like to think of it really as just a bit of a life hack. Um, once you learn this breathing technique, you're able to go between the two sort of at your own um, command, which is which is exciting. Um, it gives you the control back a little bit. Um, and I do it by teaching people to slow down the breath. So this is not about breathing deeply. This is not about breathing more. This is about slowing down the breath and actually getting you to the point where you reduce your oxygen levels. Um, when they look at people who are in this relaxed state, they see that their oxygen levels are actually very low and that their carbon dioxide levels are higher. Um, and the way to increase your carbon dioxide levels is to breathe less. So this is not getting yourself to a point where you're, where you're not breathing. Passing out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, and you do have to be careful when you start to do this that you don't take it too far because that's going to stress you out more, the fear of, <laughs> of not breathing. But honestly, it do, it's, it's not complicated at all. It literally is just starting to watch your breath. And it only takes four controlled breaths to start the process of activating the parasympathetic nervous system and just by watching your breath it will start to naturally slow once you become aware of it so that's all you need to do to begin with and then as you go deeper into your meditation practice you can try to slow it down even more um, just to the point where you're hardly moving you know it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be complicated but just to the point where you know, if somebody was to look at you, they wouldn't necessarily be able to tell that you were... Alive. Yes. <laughs> like a baby. Like, we want to breathe like we're a baby. Because, you know, like, mums, you know, they look at their babies and they need to, like, listen, you know, mm -hmm. to, the, to the nose um, to, to make sure mm. that they're... That they're right? Babies have it. Like, babies know what they're doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> we could just all go back. Yeah. They get, we get ruined along the way. <laughs> it, it's a tough life. But we had it sorted as babies. Babies, make the most of it now. It's these are good times. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's if there's anything um, that you take from this, and if and if all it is is literally just maybe questioning when somebody tells you to take a deep breath when you're stressed, um, then that's that's positive for me mm. because I think that I think we need to get out of this frame of mind of thinking that deep breathing is good. Um, and, and even, you know, if you wanted to give it a go, just stop for a moment and start paying attention to your breath, start trying to slow the breath down and becoming aware of the impact that that has on the rest of your body. So you will start to notice, um, some changes like there's often a wet saliva in the mouth. Um, your heart rate might start to slow, your muscles will relax, things like this. You'll, you'll, you'll notice the, the different, um, um, effects on the body. And again, that's, that bringing your attention to your body is just such a nice way to get out of your head occasionally. Mm. So it's just a nice relaxing activity in itself. Mm. And we've been talking a lot about connection, but you know, reconnecting 
your mm. mind with your body mm-hmm. is, is a useful idea and uh, even the language we use about that can be a bit tricky because we say my body as if it's a possession as mm-hmm. if it's a kind of inanimate object that you your brain just directs around the world like a puppet but it's not quite like that um, and actually that the body has such an important role to play in in the the status and the health of the mind in fact you know you your mind would be nothing without it and i think we the 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 brain you know psychology of course is guilty of this the brain has been elevated (laughs) a little bit you know it has high status i know but a little bit higher than it necessarily should be in relation to the body and we need to start putting our emphasis and some love back into the body and some respect into it as well absolutely and just finding that balance there as well between the body and the um and the mind and I, and I like to say that um, the breath is almost like a bridge between the mind and the body. Mm-hmm. It's a way of using your mind to connect with your body um, and it's one of the most simple things that we can mm-hmm. do but it really is. I mean you notice when you start to pay attention to your breath and you start to pay attention to your body, you notice the effect that that has on your mind. So it's almost like quite a tangible way of, mm-hmm. of experiencing mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's something, and it's such, it's a reason why I always love meeting up with you, and and we I feel like we always have great chats, <laughs> um, because it's such an area of interest of mine, and it's not my area of expertise at all, but um, something that I felt very personally, um, especially the connection between the gut and the mind. Mm. Um, for me, there's no doubt that there is that the, that they are intrinsically linked. Yeah, there is there is no doubt. I think um, the people the, are still so skeptical though. Yeah. It's one I wish I knew more about steps, it. So baby steps. <laughs> um, no, there, there is there is no doubt that that both directly and this is for listeners who think we're going off. But I'll save this for another podcast. Um, but there is both a direct and an indirect link. A direct link by by the vagus nerve and an indirect link link via the immune system. Um, but it's it's all one people. We'll leave it at that. But it's all the same thing. Um, and and both are important for health. Um, Ashley, I am aware that. We've been talking for ages. <laughs> is this is what always happens when we get together. <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to say that you would like people to take away from, from this conversation? I think the main thing is if you haven't tried meditation before and if you're a little bit skeptical about it, um, we know that meditation is good for us. I think, we've, I think we can all get to the point where we can safely say that it's been proven. Meditation is extremely beneficial um, for your health. Um, for your mental health and for your overall well-being. If you are skeptical about it, please know that it's okay if you've tried it before and you didn't find that it worked for you or you hated it. <laughs> we found it really horrible. Um, that's okay too. Um, there are so many different ways to meditate. And I really want to encourage you guys to, um, if you're listening and you are curious, please get in touch with me. Whether or not we work together or not, you know, if you just want to be pointed in the right direction of a few different styles to try, um, any questions at all, I would, I would love to hear it. But um, just know that there are so many different ways to do it. Um, and you can create a practice that's really personal to you and that really suits you in your lifestyle. So don't assume that it just has to look a certain way because it, because it absolutely doesn't. Um, and if you are interested in trying out one of my meditations, um, find me on Instagram. It's Ashley Hunt Wellness. And I do live Instagram meditations every Sunday. So you just pop your headphones in, um, listen to me for 10 minutes, um, and just find a little bit of um, space on your Sunday to, to just relax. Mm-hmm. So that's Ashley Hunt Wellness on Instagram, Instagram and on Twitter, if people want to get in touch, or are you less active there? I am not great at Twitter. Okay. <laughs> so Instagram, everybody. <laughs> 
Um, I try. I try. I, look, I generally, I really struggle with social media in general. It's not something that comes naturally to me. Um, I find it very difficult to sort of align what I do with being on social media. We know this. We always talk about this. Um, but my Instagram live meditations is something that I feel like, you know what, I feel like I'm using this platform um, in, in a positive way. And I think, I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> and you'll be providing as a bonus for this podcast a meditation for people to tune into exactly well. yes so that's gonna i'm gonna record a special guided meditation just for you yes. <laughs> um and it's just gonna be super simple mindfulness based we're gonna cover some of the breath work that i spoke about as well as um dipping in a little bit to the visualization and the connection meditation that i mentioned perfect um so i will link everything that we've spoken about there's gonna be a long research <laughs> few hours for me um into the show notes i'll also link in the big harvard study that showed that meditation improved the structure of the brain and uh, connections in gray matter which was one of the big seminal studies about the power of meditation um also all of your links all of ashley's links for people to find you and uh if anybody has any questions they can come back to either of us and we will get back to you definitely ashley thank you very much no, for thank having you. me thanks so much it was nice to talk to you as always and that's it. Ashley's guided meditation will be available as a separate episode for you to download and enjoy. You can log on to her Sunday meditations by following her on Instagram where she is Ashley Hunt Wellness. Even if you're skeptical, I invite you to read the Harvard study and perhaps look at some of the variety of mindfulness styles and exercises and see whether there is even one that suits you. In upcoming episodes, I talk to a leading international researcher on the gut-brain axis, which I am ridiculously excited about, so I hope you tune in for that. As ever, thank you very, very much for listening, and until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm -hmm.